Hi everyone and welcome to the Horse.com's Ask the Vet Live event on poisonous plants brought to you free by the book Care and Management of Horses, which you can find online at exclusivelyequine.com. I'm Christy West, digital editor and producer of the Horse.com, and joining us today to answer your questions about this topic are Anthony Knight, BBSC, MS, Diplomate ACVIM, a professor of large animal medicine in the College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences at Colorado State University. We also have Karen Bischoff, DVM, MS, Diplomate of the ABVT. She's a veterinary toxicologist at the New York State Animal Health Diagnostic Center and an assistant professor at Cornell University. I want to thank you all for joining us today and let you know that we received more than 400 questions before this event, so clearly we won't be able to get to all of them. But we picked out several to try and cover all the topics of interest related to toxic plants. And once we're through with those, if we have time left, we'll move on to some live questions. If you would like to ask a question, hang around for just a bit to see if we already have a similar one. And if you did send in a question with your registration, we did get it. Um, and if you don't see your questions similar to what you have in mind showing up, please type your question into the chat box at the bottom of the control panel on your screen. Now, uh, let's get started. Our first question um, is from a reader in Florida who would like to know, can a horse tell a toxic plant from a non-toxic plant based on its smell? I'll, uh, I'll try to field that one. And I actually, I don't know if they can tell by the smell, but they, they can, they do avoid, naturally avoid certain plants. I think that was another question that was coming up. They have kind of a, some plants don't taste good. They have a bitter flavor to them because of the toxins. Some plants cause irritation to the mucous membranes of the tongue and, and the mouth, and like, like buttercups will do that. Um, so they tend to avoid those if, if, there's, if they can find something else to eat. But some plants are really palatable, and plants like loco weed can actually become addictive. Uh, horses will seek it out, um, and uh, you know other other plants are more toxic under certain conditions than others. So it's it's kind of hard for them, you know. So so under some circumstances, you know, a horse may ingest a toxic plant, um, especially if they don't have other things to eat or if it's a purely palatable plant. Sure. <clears throat> so that tend, tends to bring us to our next question, which is from Kathleen in New York, who asks if horses tend to avoid poisonous plants naturally. And you touched on this a little bit, but another part of that question was, what would increase a horse's risk of eating a toxic plant? Uh, I started touching on those, um, and, and certain plants are more toxic in some seasons than others, like red maple maybe. Um, sometimes climatic conditions can make a plant more toxic like a freeze um, or a drought, and then sometimes um, plants actually become tastier after they've been sprayed with herbicide because they'll maybe produce, they'll, they'll start producing a little bit more sugar or something before they die. Uh, so horses will actually go for those plants uh, pretty readily, even if they might not normally do it. All right. And our next question is from Dale Lee in New York, who would like to know, are poisonous plants still poisonous if they're cut and baled in hay? Uh, I might uh, just pitch in there, I think. The, um, the answer is yes, they can be. Uh, they may not be as toxic as when they're green, but many of them will retain toxicity, and of course it speaks a lot for uh, selecting uh, weed-free hay because of the, the risk. And a good example of that is milkweed. Some of the milkweeds get put up in hay, and they remain uh, toxic even when dry. All right. And uh, another question we had from Alaska, how much of a toxic plant does a horse have to eat to get sick? 
that that's very variable. Um, there's very few plants where a single mouthful would uh, poison them. Perhaps the only exception there is is uh, something like water hemlock or maybe some yew or oleander. But many times they have to eat pounds of it. A good example is uh, like yellow star thistle. Uh, they'll have to eat two or three hundred pounds of it over a period of weeks before the signs of poisoning occur. So depends on the plant at what stage it's growing and just how much the uh, the horse is eating. All right. Our next question is from Steve in Missouri who would like to know if there are any general symptoms that may indicate harmful plant ingestion. I'm going to jump in on that because I really wish there were. It would make the veterinarian's job really, really simple if there were. But, but really, um, plants do all kinds of different things. Um, like some can cause an animal to die unexpectedly, like uh, taxis, uh, which was just mentioned, or, which is you, also you plant, also known as the you plant. Um, I say unexpected death. Some people say sudden death. I think death is generally a sudden thing. You're dead or you're not. Um, but uh, others can cause chronic diseases, kind of a lingering toxic effect like ragwort, senecio. Um, and then some cause all kinds of things. They can cause colic, like, like ginseng weed or, or laminitis, like uh, bergeroa or, or walnut, black walnut. Um, they, some can cause kidney failure, like oak. So there's all kinds of things they can do. And there's no way to really tell, you know, that it's, it's definitely a plant unless you actually catch the horse eating it, and then it shows the appropriate clinical signs for that plant. Mm -hmm. Very good. And our next question from Katz in Wisconsin, I think a very important question. What should be the horse owner's first response in cases where poisoning is suspected, especially if you're in a more remote area where the veterinarian may not be able to get to you very quickly? Well, without sort of being too flippant, I, I guess you'd panic is uh, one way <laughs> to look at it. But um, uh, Panic effectively. A <laughs> yeah, a lot of times if you think the hay is a source of the problem, you take them off that hay or remove them from the pasture where uh, there may be a lot of weeds that you're concerned about. Uh, but those are, those are sort of common sense approach and, and uh, there really isn't much else. I don't know if Dr. Bischoff has got any other comments there. I, I don't. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, just kind of symptomatic therapy to, you know, to you know, if they've got laminitis, keep them moving, um, things like that. Uh, if they've got colic, maybe treat them with uh, anti-inflammatories or something, make them feel better. But uh, really, you need to try to get the vet out there if you at all can. All right. Which leads very nicely to Karen's question from Georgia, another Karen. Um, are there any medications that you should keep on hand for horses in, ca in case of they ingest a poisonous plant? I think you just touched on some of those. Would you add anything else to that list? I, I would say having things like some banamine may be uh, helpful if they're showing colic uh, or, or butazolidin, something that might help uh, relieve the colic symptoms. Um, some of these plants, uh, if we could get them out of the GI system as quickly as possible, would be good. So maybe some uh, uh, laxative compound that uh, you could uh, give the horse, but there's not a lot to do. Uh, you know, a veterinarian is either going to have to uh, give them intravenous fluids or uh, pass a stomach tube to make sure the uh, medication is, um, you know, delivered as quickly and directly as possible. 
Sure. And Tiffany in New York would like to know, what is the most common toxic plant poisoning that you have dealt with? And understanding this is going to vary by region, of course. Well, since I'm in, out in the west here, I think the uh, most common ones I deal with is a plant called hound's tongue, which in essence grows over throughout the country and causes irreversible liver disease. Uh, we get quite a bit of locoweed poisoning, which again is a western United States problem, and, and uh, milkweed. I don't know what Dr. Bischoff sees in the, in the east there. Well, by, by some strange coincidence, um, two of plants that cause a similar, uh, similar liver failure to the one you mentioned, uh, we see actually quite a bit of Senecio poisoning out here. It's, uh, Senecio is also known as ragwort. Um, and uh, when I was in Florida, I, I kind of scribbled down and we saw a lot of crotillaria, which causes the same kind of clinical disease. And we occasionally around here also see uh, red maple poisoning. Um, so luckily we don't deal with a whole lot of toxic plants, at least not at, at the level I'm at. Uh, and maybe some of the uh, people out on, in, in the field a little more get more experience with that. But those are the things that they consult me about. All right. And Katie in Colorado would like to know, would ask if you could please discuss how environmental conditions can cause plant toxins to change to, or to increase. Uh, these are again quite variable. Um, the uh, a drought, I think, is one of the major things that will change the concentration of compounds in the plants. Uh, sometimes, whether they're growing under the shade of uh, trees um, or out in the full sun, will also affect them. So, um, uh, a lot of times we don't know. Rainfall certainly makes the plant grow more vigorously, and, and that may increase the amount of alkaloid. Um, but a stress plant, I generally view as having more potential for poisoning than a, a healthier plant. All right. And I'd like to go back just briefly to the medications to have on hand that we discussed earlier. We have a question from a live audience from Benita who asks about what about charcoal for poisoning because they use it in sheep. Well, Char as long as it's the activated charcoal, uh, we certainly do not want to use anything that's used for barbecuing or anything like that. That would be, that'd be disastrous. So uh, the activated charcoal, you can get that. Uh, and if you can get that into the digestive system, it acts as an absorbent. Um, it's a challenge, though, to get a horse to eat it. And many times uh, veterinarians have to uh, pass a, a nasogastric tube to make sure it gets into the stomach. And don't be wearing your best clothes when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Tends to come back a little bit, huh? <laughs> yeah, and it's black, really black. <laughs> well, if we, if we have any brains at all, we don't wear white around horses generally, so <laughs> we should be covered there. All right, uh, Chris from North Carolina says, I often see plants listed as poisonous, but I know of horses that have eaten them for over 30 years. Is there a horse-by-horse -horse basis for toxicity? I guess this person knows some really old horses um, to be eating the same plant for 30 years, but uh, it really, as we've kind of mentioned before, I think um, it really depends. Sometimes, some, sometimes horses have to eat quite a bit of the plant in a short period of time to get poisoned. Um, and then there are some plants, like, you know, like, so for example, like a nightshade, they'd have to eat it would have to be like a half of the hay or a quarter of the hay that they're fed would have to be nightshade for them to have a problem with it. If they just get a little bit in the hay or whatever, um, probably not going to be a huge problem. But um, also, 
the other issue is some, some, some of these plants don't produce clinical signs for months until the animals have either been ingesting them for months or maybe they've been off of them. They've ingested them for a while and then have been off of them for months. Uh, and the one, the case in point would, would be the, the ragwort, uh, senecio, and, and the kinds of plants that cause chronic liver damage that we were talking about earlier. And I'd have to add one other thing there, if I may. There's a very famous saying that it's the dose that makes the poison. So again, it ties into how much they eat and how quickly they eat it as to whether or not there'll be any signs of poisoning. Yeah, that was actually a quote um, from Paracelsus. Uh, Aurelius Theophrastus Bombastus Donna Hentheim, who shortened his name to Paracelsus in the 1500s. Right. Very good. Um, well, here's probably one of our most popular questions that we got for this session. What is a good resource online for identifying poisonous plants with good photos? And I'd like to just, I'll, Dr. Nat, I'm going to go ahead and jump in there ahead of you and let everybody know that you have a very good website uh, with, with photos and diagrams of just what exactly, if, if you mention a, a certain type of leaf, what that means and what that, what that looks like on the plant. So I'd, I'd recommend that everybody take a look at that. I'm putting it up in the chat box right now. But are there also any other rec um, websites that you would recommend? Any other resources? Your book, maybe? Yeah, there's a book. I would have to say that Cornell has a, a very good website uh, that you can simply Google poisonous plants and it'll pop up, and that's a good resource. Um, another one is the USDA uh, plant database. Because I think one of the questions was, you know, where do these plants grow? Or how do I know I, if they have one of these in my area? And that's an excellent site to um, to use a lot of. All right. And yeah, to oh, identify plants, I frequently just look on Wikipedia. They often have nice pictures there if you know what you're looking for. Sure. All right. And our next question, uh, another somewhat popular one, Deborah from Massachusetts would like to know if there is a website where one can send photos of suspicious-looking plants to see if they are toxic. Well, you're looking at it there. I, I uh, my website, uh, Color State um, Poisonous Plants. If you log on to that, there's a web, there's an email that you can, you know, send me a digital picture. I'm very willing to uh, um, identify the plant from that and get back to you as to whether it's toxic or not. All right. And Dr. Knight's email address. He'd also said he was, he'd be happy to take a look at pictures. Um, his email address is there in the chat box as well. Um, and Pam from Georgia has another good question. Um, what are what is the most deadly plant out there to horses? And I think we have a couple that we're going to discuss. Do you want to pitch in there first, Dr. Bishop? Oh, sure. I think the one that I, I would that comes immediately to my mind is uh, Taxus, the Japanese yew plant, uh, also your, uh, English yew and, and other related species, uh, because it causes death. It can cause death really quickly. Uh, they don't have to eat all that much. And there was actually a really famous case in uh, 1992 in Macomb, Illinois, where three uh, Lipizzaner stallions were tied to a taxis bush and then led into the arena during a show. And they actually dropped dead in the middle of the show. So that, that uh, was a pretty impressive uh, uh, poisoning incident. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that one. The other one I'd throw out that takes very little plant and will kill them in a matter of hours is uh, uh, water hemlock, the Secuta species. And these are native plants that grow across North America, and uh, they like wet conditions. So uh, along uh, river banks, uh, around ponds, 
and the roots most poisonous and literally about four to six ounces would kill a thousand pound horse. That's uh, not a whole lot, so be careful with no, that one. All right, and we uh, mentioned earlier that people had been, people were very curious about uh, where to find information on what plants were to commonly toxic in a region, but there's a lot of resources other than websites. Um, we discussed a little bit earlier your local extension agent, your veterinarians, any other commentary on that? I, I think uh, also going to your local uh, plant stores and stuff, I mean, they often have fairly knowledgeable people there and they can at least ID it for you. They may not know if it's toxic. And then you could go to the website uh, or the internet and, and uh, look it up. You, uh, are you at, near a university? Uh, there's frequently uh, plant biologists, plant taxonomists specifically, and that's what I do here when I have a question about a plant. I will actually walk over to our herbarium and have the taxonomist look at it with me, and, and they can usually tell you pretty quickly what kind of plant it is. Sure. All right, and I'm going to take a moment there in between before we move into our next section to ask our audience a quick question. Has your horse ever been ill from eating a toxic plant? Um, let us know what your thoughts are on that, and we'll go on to our next set of questions. Um, signs of toxicity. Plants. Um, our first question is from Lauren in Maryland, excuse me, I'm from Barbara in California. We'd like to know, can weeds cause hives and edema, and what would you do to treat a problem from this? I'll pitch in there. Um, yes, I think there's uh, possibilities. Uh, a lot of people are concerned about things like poison ivy, but that does not affect horses, um, only people handling the horse that's been in poison ivy. Um, but some plants might cause a hypersensitivity. There is some uh, recent evidence to show that um, uh, fescue, tall fescue, that's infected with the uh, fungal endophyte will cause uh, swelling of the, uh, the tissues and uh, so that might be something to be concerned about if they're on tall fescue. Now, do I remember reading that that was a Mediterranean type fescue versus a continental, or is that all fescues? No, it um, it's mostly the Mediterranean type, especially. Um, but they're bringing different different hybrids of that over, so it's uh, it's a matter of time. I think we may see some of that. All right, and at present, is the Mediterranean variety very common in this in the U.S. Since that's where the most of our audience is. Uh, not at this point. Okay. Very good. Good to know. So, um, does the, uh, our next question is from Sherry in Florida, who would like to know if the ingestion of a poisonous plant can cause laminitis. There are a, a couple of poisonous plants that have been associated with laminitis. Um, usually you think of black walnut shavings as being the cause of a, a plant-based cause of laminitis, um, and that's basically Usually the fresh shavings are, you know, a month, about a month old or less. 20% um, of the bedding or more can cause it uh, as, as black walnut. Um, I just would generally recommend keeping them away from black walnut trees because ingestion of bark and twigs and things can, might be able to do the same issue, do the same thing. But up in the New, the New England area, um, I've had a few calls about uh, laminitis when they were positive that the horses could not have gotten into black walnut. And Suspected it. I haven't gotten uh, proof of this yet, but I suspected it was actually due to a plant called 
uh, Torre Ellison, which is uh, the genus is Gerderoa, and it can get into the hay, and it can cause uh, laminitis similar to the, what you would see with the black walnut. And the onset is pretty rapidly after ingesting the plant. Within a day, uh, you would start seeing laminitis. All right. And our next question from Mariah in Oregon. She would like to know, um, ask if you could speak to us about string halt and any associated plants, specifically false dandelion. She's read that this might be connected. Yeah, there's still, the, I think the jury is still kind of out on the, on the false dandelion issue. Um, there have been several cases, uh, I believe in Virginia. Um, I couldn't find them in the literature, but uh, a friend of mine had worked up some cases in Virginia where horses did get string halt, which is kind of a, a bizarre disease where they lift their head, their legs really high. It's caused by nerve damage, and they lift their feet really high, almost kicking themselves in the belly when they walk. Um, and it does seem to be associated with cat's ear or false dandelion uh, in Australia, South America, and like I said, Virginia. It might also be on the West Coast as well. Um, and it looks a lot like, the pet looks a lot like a dandelion, but it kind of, the, the um, the stalks of the flowers kind of are branching, which you wouldn't see in a dandelion. Also thought it was kind of interesting, it was a very old disease and it's actually been described in Shakespeare. Very good. But I have to pitch in there, they, not all uh, string halt is plant related. We, we, a lot of times we just don't know uh, what the neurological component of that is. So it, if you see the string halt, certainly check for the false dandelion, but Again, your veterinarian may have to check it out to see there's not something else wrong with the horse. Sure. And um, Barb Young, our, from our live audience, would like to know is, if false dandelion is the same as cat's ear. Yes. All right. Another name is flatweed, too. Okay. Have any other aliases? <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> All right. Well, I just wanted to share real quickly the results of our poll. Um, have your, has your horse ever been ill from eating a toxic plant? 11% of you say that they, that has happened. 59% no and 32% not sure. All right. Our next question is from Lee in Maryland. She says, uh, I have a horse right now with irritated gums and some blisters on them. Could this be from uh, eating a toxic plant? Well, if it's, um, there's some concern that it, that some plants, I mean, uh, buttercup, for example, can be quite irritating to the mouth of, uh, of an animal that was eating it, uh, you know, regularly. Um, but there's, there's a lot of other things that may be involved. It could be a, you know, it could be a chemical that's on the grass. Um, at different times of the year, if, especially out west here, if you see ulcers or blisters in the mouth, the first thing we'd be concerned about is something like vesicular stomatitis, which is an uh, infective virus disease of horses. Um, but uh, do you, can you think of any others, Dr. Bishop, in your area? Yeah, I'd be a little worried about, about the uh, vesicular stomatitis because that's a big deal. Um, so you definitely want to have the animal checked out by a veterinarian. Uh, I, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there are probably some other diseases that could cause it. I know in other species they get autoimmune diseases. I'm not aware of it, like a pemphigus or something like that. I'm not aware of that in a horse, but I, I don't know why it couldn't happen. The only other thing I'd throw in there is that some horses will uh, present with um, ulcers in their mouth. And uh, the thing I often check there is to see that the, the hay doesn't have a lot of 
grasses that have very sharp orns in it, like foxtail uh, barley, for example, and that will embed in the gums and produce uh, what might look like ulcers to uh, when you open the mouth. All right. And Pam in Missouri uh, says she's actually lost some older horses from liver failure, and the toxicology report says pure pyrolizidine, I hope I said that right, alkaloidosis, and um, she wonders what plants she should look for in the pasture that might be causing this. Pyrolizidine alkaloids. Um, that was close. I'm really sorry to hear about those horses, by the way. Um, that's tough, and we do, that is one of the problems we see here in New York, uh, especially with, with ragwort, uh, known as uh, also uh, the genus is Senecio. Uh, I mentioned in Florida we saw it with Crotillaria or Rattlebox. The Senecio grows all over the place. The Crotillaria, uh, mostly in the Gulf Coast. Uh, Amsinchia would be kind of a, a West Coast thing, although there's some in the, in the Northeast, and that's also called Fiddleneck. Uh, Hound's Tongue, I think, uh, Dr. Knight has mentioned. Um, and then uh, Viper's Bugloss or Echium has been seen in the East and the Midwest. And those are all plants that can cause it. Um, and they're really, I, I, I've been called into these cases a few times because they're pretty easy to diagnose for the pathologist. They cause a change in the liver that's really striking. It actually makes the cells, the cells get huge. Um, but uh, finding the source of the plant is often really, uh, really difficult because it is a chronic disease. And a lot of times the horses have been moved a few times since they were exposed to the plant, uh, the, the hay has been fed out and they've gotten a new source of hay. Uh, it's a different season, so the, the, you know, all the plants in the pasture have changed since then. So um, that can be, it's really hard to find, find the plants uh, by the time you get to clinical science, unfortunately. And I've spent a lot of time walking back and forth on pastures and digging through hay and sneezing a lot, uh, trying to find those plants with, with very limited success. All right, and our next question is from Diane in California, who would like to know what plant or plants can cause choke. That's a good question. The, uh, there's a lot of variability, again. There obviously, plants that uh, have a hard pit in them, for example, avocados, uh, mangoes. Um, I've seen choke where, of course, apples, pears, perhaps, where the fruits are on the, on the ground or in the pasture that the animals will get to. Uh, persimmons, uh, particularly in the southeast, uh, are quite common in uh, orchards and so on that horses are in, and they'll eat the whole persimmon, and that uh, sticks in their uh, esophagus. They add with persimmons, they can also cause uh, GI obstructions further down. Um, so the persimmon seeds actually kind of cement together in the stomach of the horse, and they can form big, big stones made out of these seeds. And and uh, and the pulp of the persimmon that, that don't seem to get digested. And the uh, one of the treatments for that, as I remember, I believe somebody spoke at this at the uh, AEP can, American Association of Equine Practitioners convention not too long ago. Isn't one of the treatments if it's non if it's small enough that maybe surgery isn't isn't the the absolutely required treatment? They feed them just a lot of Coca Cola. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. All right, uh, let's uh, let's go back to our audience for another quick poll. Do you inspect your pastures and or hay for toxic weeds? And we'll move into our, uh, we've got one more question on uh, signs of poisoning from Mary in New York who would like to know what plant or plants can cause horses to drool and not feel their mouths. 
Oh, I don't know about the, I don't know about not being able to feel their mouse, but uh, certainly there's um, there's a, a toxin called uh, slaphronine. It's also known as, as slobber toxin, and it's associated with clovers. And specifically, you think of red clovers and white clovers, but also other kinds of clover, alfalfa and lestadiza, um, that are infected with a fungus called rhizoctoma. Uh, and it's also the, the, the non-technical term is black patch fungus or black patch disease. It's kind of, I, it's usually associated with cool weather. And it's when I've seen it, it's because it, uh, after the pasture has been he eaten down pretty low. Um, and basically, the major, it's usually a fairly mild problem, but they do drool profusely. And uh, once you kind of remove them from the offending plants, the offending pasture, they usually recover in a couple days. I mean, it's possible that they could get colic eventually, and, and some people have reported uh, possible abortions, but the jury's kind of still out on how severe it can be. Usually it's just really, really impressive drooling. <laughs> It is. <laughs> I'm familiar with it. <laughs> All right. Um, our next question, uh, we're going to move on to trees. We had a number of questions about trees. And our first one is from Gail in North Carolina, who would like to know about acorns, if they're safe for horses to eat. And Gail wasn't the only one who asked this question by far. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the little saying, the dose makes the poison. So. Uh, Again, if you have a horse that's uh, going to eat a lot of uh, acorns, in some years you get a big acorn crop and they're on the ground and horses will eat them, uh, acorns or oaks contain uh, tannic acid. And these tannic acids or tannins, uh, if absorbed in enough quantity, will, will cause uh, colic. They will cause uh, kidney failure. And uh, so in essence, uh, all parts of the oak tree are... Uh, are poisonous, including live oaks as well as the ones that shed the leaves. And um, it's certainly one of the trees that I don't recommend one plants if one has a choice. And if you get a big acorn crop, uh, probably a smart thing to do is rake those up and remove them. But, uh, but a handful of acorns is not going to hurt the horse, uh, especially if you've got a, a well-balanced ration for them to, to feed on otherwise. All right. And our next question is from Sonia in Texas, who wants to know if live oaks are toxic to horses. I know we just talked about acorns, but probably a number of horses did the same thing that, that they did around the barn where I grew up, and they just like to eat the bark off the trees. So we may want to think about bark and leaves as well. Yeah, and the, and the bark, of course, is, um, it has its other, it's mechanically a problem. Because if you get a real, if a horse likes to eat a lot of bark, I mean, you're going to get colic uh, impactions occurring potentially. And uh, if, if, that, if a horse has that kind of incessant desire to eat the oak tree down, uh, it's probably good to fence it off or something so they don't get to it. All right. And our next question, another very common question, this one from Chris in Indiana. What about cherry trees? And I know there's a number of different varieties of cherry trees. Uh, I'll pitch in there. I'd have Dr. Bishop will also add. But I, um, cherry trees are a member of the prunus family. And, uh, and in general, there's all the choke cherries and different types of cherries have the potential to contain uh, cyanogenic glycosides or cyanide compounds. And uh, cattle, sheep, and goats uh, are much more susceptible to cyanide poisoning than are horses, mainly because they have a very different digestive system. 
and the horse, even though it might eat some of the cherry leaves, isn't going to be able to convert those glycosides to free cyanide rapidly enough to cause poisoning. Now, having said that, uh, if you have a tree that's frosted or severely droughted, and the levels of cyanide are extremely high in the plant under those stress conditions, and a horse was really hungry and it was chowing down on the cherry tree very heavily, uh, yes, I suppose they could uh, experience some uh, cyanide poisoning, which could uh, cause a very unexpected death in the animal. Any comments, Dr. Bishop? Yeah, I kind of, I would concur that, that ruminants, cattle, sheep, etc., are going to be a lot more susceptible, but I, I, I tend not to mess with cherry trees myself. I, 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 would, I would avoid them. Very good. And before we go on to our next question, I just wanted to share the results of our um, audience poll. Do you inspect your pastures and or hay for toxic weeds? 63% of you say yes. Good for you. 8% no. And 29% no because I don't know what to look for. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be helping out with that a little bit. And yeah, that, I was going to say that's, uh, that complements the, the first question, which showed that actually very few horses uh, are poisoned, and I think that may be the due diligence of horse owners. They do check the pastures pretty carefully, so good for you. And one of the problems with hay, of course, is that the plant doesn't look the same once it's in the hay for a while as it did out on the pasture. That can be challenging. Sure. All right, our next question on trees is from Catherine in New Mexico, who would like to know if juniper trees are toxic. Um, Junipers, uh, I, again, horses are rarely eat them unless they're hungry enough. And uh, the uh, junipers and pine trees are toxic uh, to the reproductive system of uh, ruminants, particularly cattle and bison, not so much sheep and goats. And uh, as far as I know, there seems to be no problem with the uh, uh, equids or horses. All right. And our next question is from Dee in Quebec, Canada, who would like to know if there is any danger of a horse eating pine needles and pine bark. Well, like I said, the pine, pine trees are toxic to uh, pregnant cows. It will cause abortions. And, um, you know, pine needles and pine bark are not the best feed for horses. So nutritionally, they're poor quality. Um, but I'm not aware of any... Um, you know, documented cases of, of similar poisoning in horses that uh, cattle experience. All right. And moving on to another extremely popular question, this one from Patty in Idaho about maple trees. We have had a, a huge list of questions about maple trees, but we'll just start by saying, are, are maple trees toxic? Well, my lab's actually been studying maple trees a little bit, which probably would suggest they're toxic since I work in a toxicology <laughs> Um, sure. The most toxic one by far is the red maple, uh, Acer rubrum is the genus species of that. Um, the poisonings from that have been uh, seen in horses and also in zebras and alpacas. Um, and it's usually, it kind of varies by your location. It's usually in the late summer or in the autumn and it's uh, when the leaves are starting to dry up and they're kind of wilted and drying that most of the problems have been seen. And we've been trying to isolate the, the, the toxin. Um, and whatever it is, it, it seems to cause damage to the red blood cells, so they can't carry oxygen, they, they start to break apart, 
And so you get anemic horses, and they kind of can, can look kind of jaundiced, and they might have red urine, and a lot of times they actually do die. Um, and again, this is mostly with the red maple, and, and although uh, I would just avoid maple trees in general because uh, from what we're seeing, uh, we think we may have isolated the toxin, and it does seem to be present in other varieties of maple trees, just not in higher concentrations. Uh, it seems to be the, to the, the toxicology of this is, is, is pretty complex. Um, it seems to be that the horses, not only do the horses have to eat it at the right time of year, they have to have something in their intestines that, that breaks it down into, into, breaks the toxic compound down into a more toxic compound, then it gets absorbed and damages the, the red cells. Um, and we're actually, my lab is very, very interested in uh, samples from horses that are affected by red maple poisoning. We've actually been doing most of the work with just with blood samples from horses exposing the the blood to the toxin, and, and we don't, haven't really worked with any horses um, yet that have been poisoned. So if anybody does have a problem with, uh, if, if they ever have a diagnosis of red maple poisoning, hopefully um, their horses will survive, and, and we will hope for the best. Hopefully it won't happen, but if it does, we'd really appreciate it if you would uh, have your veterinarian give my lab a call, because we'd be very interested in some samples from those horses. And how would they contact your lab? Uh, well, you wouldn't. You would have uh, your veterinarian contact my lab directly, and uh, we have a website. It's ahdc.vet.cornell.edu. Uh, so ahdc is for Animal Health Diagnostic Center. Vet.cornell.edu. Perfect. Thank you. And we had. Sure. To add one comment in there, um, and I agree 100% with what Dr. Bishop's saying, uh, but a lot of questions I get is, well, I, I want to plant a crimson maple, um, and basically any hybrid of the red maple uh, is not a good thing to plant if you uh, have a choice. And I don't know if you could post that uh, list of uh, yes. toxic trees Absolutely. at some point there so people could see that. but. Uh, I would just avoid all maples. It, it seems like quite a few of them that we've tested do have some potential for poisoning, just based on our in vitro work exposing the plant extracts to blood cells. All right. And um, we had a number of questions about wilted maple versus fresh le maple leaves or anything like that. Which, which is more toxic? Yeah, it's supposed to, they, they, they say it's the wilted ones, the dried ones that seem to be the bigger problem. Um, we have been working with fresh maple, wilted maple, dry maple, and we actually, in, in, in our lab, haven't seen very much difference. Uh, but in, in practice, it seems like it's the, it's, the dry, it's the dying leaves that seem to have, be the biggest problem, so they're, they're either wilted or drying. Okay, and we have a question from our audience attendee, Wendy, who would like to know if the leaves are considered wilted only when they're dying and falling off the tree in the fall or when they blow down after a storm and, and dry up on the ground. I would say when they, after a frost or a storm, yeah, I would consider those to be wilted. Any kind of damage to the leaf where it's, it's no longer getting nutrients because it's been blown off the tree or because it's been frozen. Right, and she also asks if, uh, as those leaves stay on the ground for a while, do they tend to lose toxicity, or if that toxicity remains the same? That's a good question, and it, it seems like we've been testing leaves that have been sitting in our lab for a while, and they still seem to be toxic. So, yeah, I guess you want to rake up your maple leaves. 
So pretty much a simple equation is maples equal bad for horses at any stage, any species. <laughs> well, there's some variation in there. Uh, some are definitely worse. The red maple and probably you know, red maple is number one bad actor. Um, and then any kind of cross thereof, the crimson maples, etc., anything that's got red maple in it. But I, I just would be safe and, and avoid maple trees in general. All right, and we're going to do just a couple more questions on trees, and then we're going to spend some time on pasture and how to get rid of some of these weeds. Um, Cindy from Washington would like to know if black locust pods are toxic to horses. Yes, as you see on that list there, the black uh, walnut is something you don't want to, uh, uh, black uh, locust, I should say, should not be put in, uh, in the way of horses. Uh, the pods are toxic. Uh, the bark is toxic. Uh, they contain uh, compounds that are called lectins that uh, can act on the uh, red blood cells and again uh, unexpected deaths may occur from it. So not a good tree to put in, a, in the way of horses. All right. And uh, we've got uh, Mary Lou from Arizona would like to know about uh, mesquite trees since they have millions of them in Arizona. Yeah, mesquite trees, uh, as you know from year to year, uh, sometimes they have a real heavy crop of uh, the beans or the pods and uh, horses that eat them um, can, the, the beans themselves actually have a sort of gummy substance that are rather like the persimmons and in the digestive tract they all stick together and you get this big lump of uh, seeds and uh, gelatinous material that causes obstructions and so mesquite beans, pods, uh, in small quantity, not a problem, but if they eat it, impactions and severe colic can result. All right. And I'm going to uh, move on before we go to our next question. Uh, another poll of our audience, do you know what poisonous plants are common in your area? And uh, now we're going to move on to pasture and hay plants because we had a, quite a few questions in this area. Number one, Cheryl Ann from California would like to know uh, about hemlock. We talked about this a little bit earlier, I believe as well. Yeah, as you know, there's two hemlocks. Uh, the, the native one, the water hemlock, uh, the secuta species, they're highly poisonous. Um, mostly the, the, the roots are the most toxic. Uh, the toxicity falls off quite dramatically in the hay. Um, so when it's dry, it's less toxic. Uh, the uh, European or poison hemlock or spotted hemlock um, is also quite poisonous to horses. Uh, this is a weed and it um, in most states is listed as a noxious weed because it's a prolific seed producer and will invade pastures and hay meadows and again most of the toxicity occurs in the young plant and uh, the root but um, some toxicity can remain in the, in the plant even in the hay. All right, and Elizabeth from Pennsylvania would like to know if wild carrot is poisonous and is it the same thing as Queen Anne's lace? In my experience, it looks just like poison hemlock and that's kind of important why you try and differentiate it. It is the same as Queen Anne's lace and uh, as far as I know, there is no um, uh, reported toxicity, certainly not in my experience. Before we go on to our next question, we'll share the results of our poll. Do you know what poisonous plants are common in your area? 49% of you said yes, 47, 4% said no, 47% not sure. I know of some, but maybe not all. 
And our next question is from Joe in Montana, who has a question about a number of weeds. Um, says, we have common mullein, Canada thistle, musk thistle, hound's tongue, prairie smoke, yellow salsify, spotted knapweed, pepperweed, wild roses, and larkspur. I wonder if he has any grass. Um, and are any of these harmful to mules? I hope he's got some grass. Um, <laughs> You know, the Canada thistle, musk thistle, they're noxious weeds, but not poisonous. Uh, hound's tongue, as Dr. Bishop mentioned earlier, is uh, the main liver toxin plant there. Uh, but the prairie smoke, yellow salsify, are not a problem. And uh, probably the only other one that may, if a horse ate nothing but it, would be the larkspur. So I, I wouldn't be concerned, really, except for the hound's tongue, because it's an invasive, uh, chronic poisoning of horses and mules. All right. And Retta from Minnesota would like to know, at what point is the cockleburr most poisonous? The, the burrs themselves are actually quite poisonous, but nobody really wants to eat them because they're birds, um, and it would probably be pretty painful. Um, but it has, it's not unheard of if, if they get bailed into hay, and there's a significant, I mean, and if it's, you know, a whole lot of cockleburr, in the hay and the horses have nothing else to eat if they're forced to eat it, um, you can get into problems that way. Um, and after the burr itself, the next most toxic thing is, is the baby plant that sprouts out of the, the burr. So it's when it's kind of in the two-leaf stage, called the, the cotyledonary stage. Um, and, you know, and they're tiny. And you would have to eat an awful lot of them to get a problem, but it, it turns out that you know, if you have a cockle burr that goes to seed in a spot, you can have hundreds or thousands of them in just one little area. Um, so a horse would have to eat quite a few of them. Maybe it might be more of a problem for a, a, real, a youngster, a mini, or a foal um, that could eat enough of them to you know, get a significant dose. All right. And Ken from Illinois would like to know if there is a relationship between dystocia and fescue pastures. Uh, the answer simply is yes. Um, Pregnant mares on fescue, and I have to say the fescue that uh, contains endophyte, the fungus that grows in the plant and actually improves the vigor of the plant, and that's why it has become a very popular um, planting for uh, forage. It does not affect pregnant mares, at least, it do, uh, I mean, not uh, non-pregnant mares, I should say. Causes abortions, prolonged gestation, lack of milk, and so on in the pregnant animal. But in the non-pregnant, no effect. Though, although I'd have to qualify that, that there's some recent um, information that indicates that uh, horses can develop laminitis from eating uh, the fescue uh, because it contains high levels of uh, uh, fructose, basically. These uh, fructans, these are sugar-like compounds that can cause uh, a colitis and uh, can result in laminitis. So reproductive problems not in the, uh, the non-pregnant animal, but you could get laminitis associated with the uh, fescue pastures. And, and the foals from the fescue mares can have really thick placentas, and some foals have actually suffocated because they can't get out uh, and breathe. Right. All right, our next question is from Shanna in South Carolina, who has a question about bracken fern. How much would a mini have to eat to be affected? Bracken fern is kind of an interesting, uh, interesting problem. 
Um, they actually would have to eat quite a bit of it, maybe 20% of their diet for a few weeks to get the form of bracken corn, uh, corn poisoning that, that horses get, uh, which is a, based on basically a thiamine deficiency that causes neurologic problems. And it is treated with, with thiamine. Um, in general, I would I mean, that, that the bracken fern is one of those plants that's very palatable. In fact, I, I had it at a fancy restaurant once, and it's it quite good. Um, so aside, but aside from the, the thiamine problems that it causes, um, and, and the, you know, the fact that it is palatable, some horses will eat it, um, is the fact that it actually has a carcinogen in it. Um, I'm not aware of any cancers caused in horses by this plant, but it does cause cancer in people and in cattle. So I would probably avoid it if possible. All right, good advice. And Reba from Georgia would like to know if nightshade plants are poisonous to horses. Uh, again, simply yes. Um, nightshade, uh, the nightshade family, the solanum family, uh, all can contain these uh, glycoalkaloids. Uh, simply, that uh, very simpler to atropine. And atropine uh, basically blocks the motility in the intestine. So uh, colic, it can be a, an outcome of eating nightshades. If they eat enough of it, it can actually stop the heart and respiration and, and you'd, you'd uh, lose the animal. But more often than not, it's colic. And I have to add in, in there one thing about um, where we've had problems pe people feeding uh, out of greenhouses or out of their backyard. Um, the green potato vines or tomato vines. These are also members of the nightshade family. And I've had people feed uh, green potatoes that have turned green on the windowsill or have started to sprout. And that green potato is also high in these alkaloids. It can result in uh, intestinal stasis and colic. So um, stay away from the nightshades. Excellent advice. All right, we've got just about 10 minutes to go. We're going to try to get through a number of, uh, a number of other questions. So we're going to do a little bit of a speed round here. We're just going to name off a number of plants, and so that people have asked whether or not they're poisonous. We'll go from there. Mary from North Carolina wants to know about horse nettle. Horse nettle, it's a, again a, a member of the solanums, one of the uh, nightshade family. Um, and they can uh, also increase the the toxicity of ivermectin. And so if, if horses are grazing this and they're treated uh, for parasites using uh, ivermectin, that might increase uh, some of the neurotoxicity. But um, again, mostly a digestive problem in small quantities. Uh, and that's it's been my experience. All right. It's definitely a, a major concern with the Enhancing ivermectin toxicity. Okay, Christine in New York wants to know about uh, Indian paintbrush. Uh, we have a lot of it out here, and Indian paintbrush is not poisonous. Um, it is an indicator of uh, high uh, selenium um, content in soils, and uh, therefore not so much the paintbrush itself, but the surrounding grasses may have high selenium, and you could get um, chronic selenium poisoning in uh, animals that graze it uh, for prolonged periods. All right. And uh, she would also like to know about buttercups. Dr. Bishop, you got any, you see a lot of it back your area. Yeah, buttercups are usually actually the last plant standing on the pasture because they taste so bad. 
um, and they cause irritation of the oral cavity. So yeah, they are toxic, but horses are generally not very interested in eating them, unless they're extremely hungry. Always good news. Okay, um, Ray Avoni from Oregon wants to know about knapweed. Um, knapweeds, there's several knapweeds. Um, the only one that's toxic to horses is Russian knapweed. And it causes a disease called chewing disease because it, uh, again, if eaten in large quantities over several weeks to months, will uh, damage the brain permanently and inhibit their ability to bite off and chew food. So they starve to death. But the other knapweed, spotted knapweed, diffuse knapweed, uh, they are invasive weeds but are not poisonous. All right. And I've uh, got a question from our audience. Mariah, back to your previous answer, uh, we'd like to know if horse nettle is the same as stinging nettle. No, they're quite different. Um, stinging nettle is, is not poisonous uh, to horses. Um, it may be an irritant if they chew on it because of the, um, in much the same way as uh, people get stung by the nettle, but uh, it is not the same as the, uh, as the horse nettle. All right. And Victoria in Idaho would like to know about thistle and tumbleweeds. In many parts of the world, it's good food. Um, they certainly can accumulate uh, nitrates and oxalates, and uh, more of a problem to ruminants. Um, but uh, horses do well on them, uh, and uh, again, hopefully, that's not the only thing they have to eat. Sure. All right, we're going to hit just a couple more weeds, and then we're going to move on to some ornamentals and then how to get rid of these things. Um, Carrie from Ontario would like to know about horsetail. Horsetail uh, tends to like uh, wet areas, and uh, it's not a good food uh, to the animal. It's pretty undigestive. has been associated with uh, blindness in horses and colic, um, and it it can be troublesome in some pastures that have uh, are irrigated or uh, a wet, marshy ground. All right, and back to marshy ground. Cindy in Wisconsin would like to know if horses should graze skunk cabbage. I think probably skunk cabbage is not going to be very palatable to horses. Um, it actually can cause damage to the mucosa of the oral cavity uh, due to it has a it has a oxalate crystals in it so they actually will penetrate the mucosa so um, probably not something horses would choose to eat if they had a, if they had another choice good to know all right and Jan in Indiana would like to know if purple loose trife is poisonous when baled into hay no uh, Again, it's, uh, if you bought a lot of hay with loose trife in it, you've, you've got had. It's, it's a poor quality food for horses, but it's not poisonous. All right. And uh, we're going to move into ornamental flowers and shrubs. While we're doing that, I'd like to uh, ask a quick, quick, quick poll of our audience. Are any of the landscaping plants at your farm or place of boarding toxic to horses? Our first question about ornamentals. Um, Georgina from Great Britain would like to know if lilac, holly, bamboo, and viburnum are okay to stay near the fields. Um, holly uh, contains uh, high caffeine content, um, and a horse would have to eat an awful lot of uh, holly to uh, uh, probably be affected. Uh, lilacs are not a problem. 
bamboo is uh, toxic. There's been a recent report out of uh, Brazil, I believe, where they had uh, horses eating bamboo leaves and developed uh, uh, a neurotoxicity and affected them in that way. But no reports in, in uh, North America that I'm aware of. All right. And Laura from California would like to know if bougainvillea is toxic to horses? No. Nope. All right. Connie? They've got, they've got spines on them, so uh, they could be injurious, but not poisonous. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Connie in Alaska says, it says in her state there's a plant commonly known as Labrador tea, and is it harmful? Uh, Labrador tea is a, is a rhododendron, and all rhododendrons are poisonous. Um, they have both effect on the heart, on the digestive system, and uh, so again, not a plant to, to have where horses can eat it. I know people uh, have uh, Labrador tea that they actually drink, uh, but again, we're talking in very small quantities, and um, but that's what I have to say on those. All right, and Debbie from Massachusetts would like to know about azaleas. Azaleas are rhododendrons, and again, uh, not a good plant to leave uh, where horses can graze on them and browse on them, affect on the heart, and uh, are, are not as toxic as the evergreen rhododendrons, but nonetheless to uh, poisonous. All right. And Deborah from British Columbia would like to know about lavender. They, horses smell nice, you know. I, um, <laughs> If they graze that, but as far as I know, there's no toxicity associated with it. All right. And Jean in California would like to know about daffodils. I would probably think that uh, a few daffodils, uh, they, I wouldn't think they would be very palatable, uh, but I wouldn't think that eating a few daffodil leaves would probably be a huge problem. I would be more worried about them, you know, getting into the garage and, and eating a big pile of daffodil bulbs, you might get into some problems there, but probably not just a few leaves aren't going to hurt them. Sure, okay. And uh, I'm just going to give the results of our poll real quickly. Are, are any of the landscaping plants around your horses toxic? 45% of you say yes, 39% no, and 16% don't know. All right, one more question on ornamentals. Kathleen from Iowa would like to know about honeysuckle bushes. I hope they're not very toxic uh, because there's quite a few of them around here and we, we certainly haven't seen any problems associated with them. All right. And moving on a little bit, Rochelle from Idaho would like to uh, discuss fruits and vegetables that may be toxic to horses. Specifically, which ones should we not give as treats? Well, I think anything that has uh, tubers, uh, unless they cut them up because you can get a a choke from it. Uh, again, I mentioned the ones like the potato vines, green potatoes, green tomatoes can cause colic. All right. And specifically, a couple of people asked about avocados and mushrooms. Avocados are uh, toxic to horses, uh, goats, uh, certain uh, bird species. Uh, they can affect the heart. And, and uh, so horses in particular shouldn't be in avocado orchards um, where they can eat the leaves or the, the fruits. All right. And we also had a couple of questions about berries, such as strawberries. No problem in my experience. 
Good to know. All right, let's move on to toxic plant control, which is something very important to all of us. Um, Leah from Maryland would like to know, how can you safely get rid of noxious plants while horses are on pasture? Well, this, this is a, a very big question uh, and hard to answer in the short time we've got left, but uh, obviously mowing, um, a rule of thumb I have is, you know, if you've got horses on pasture, let them eat half and leave half of the grass, because if you've got viable grass there, it'll crowd out the weeds and you'll have far less pollen, but if you graze them down too short, the weeds come in, and then you're going to resort to having to use herbicides which uh, to many people uh, is, is not acceptable and, and, and so forth. So, um, the herbicides can enhance the, the toxicity of some of the plants as well uh, so, and, and the palatability. So that's, that's a bit of a problem. Maybe you need to contact an extension agent uh, to get local advice. You know, get the specific weeds that you're looking at. Uh, some have biocontrols and, and other specific issues associated with them. Yes. And I'd have to add on the, uh, you know, the, the, the simple rule of thumb is if you're going to use herbicides, uh, read the label, follow the directions, and uh, a lot of times they'll tell you to hold, you know, no grazing animals for two weeks, four weeks, uh, or until the plants uh, are completely died down. Um, but again, if you've got concerns, get hold of your weed extension folks and they can give you some directions. All right, and uh, which sort of takes care of my next question, which was from Val. She wanted to know when it was safe to begin grazing a pasture again after treating with weed killers, because most killers do not specify on the label about withholding from grazing. So again, just talk to your extension agent about that. Um, Jean from Missouri would like to know if seasonal mowing can remove most of the risk of weeds by cutting, cutting them off. I like seasonal mowing. Uh, you can do that with animals, of course, um, but if you can stop them going to seed uh, by mowing them, uh, that certainly reduces the chance of, you know, your weeds getting in there and taking over your pasture. Sure. And uh, Carol from Minnesota would like us to address eradicating weeds without chemicals. That's going to be a case-by-case -case issue. Mowing is certainly one way with some of them. Um, and there are biological controls for other plants that, that you can attempt, like insects and things like that, that will specifically eat that plant. Uh, but that's something you talk to your extension agent about. And, and yeah, I mean, biological controls, for example, you can use sheep and goats to graze down some noxious weeds that uh, you're concerned about the horses getting into, and it doesn't affect sheep and goats. So there are... There are another biological control that could be used. Of course, you can always dig a lot of these things out if you've got the time and, uh, and energy to do so. Maybe someone needs to start a sheep rental organization <laughs> that noxious weeds out of our pastures. Yeah, we have them out here in, in Colorado for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, I think that's about all the time that we have. I wanted to thank everybody for coming, um, and especially thank Drs. Knight and Bischoff for their time today and answering your questions. And thank to all of our audience for being here and for sending in a lot of really, really great questions. Uh, I want to remind everybody that this session is being recorded and it will be archived shortly on thehorse.com. Um, I'd encourage you to check out Dr. Knight's website that we mentioned earlier. It's still in the chat box on your screen if you'd like to take a quick look. And also, of course, Dr. Bischoff's website for sending maple leaf toxicity samples. 
And um, also we have a lot more information on poisoning and toxicity at uh, thehorse.com as a topic category. And last but not least, thanks to the book Care and Management of Horses for bringing this recession to us today. You can check that out at www.exclusivelyequine.com. I uh, hope everybody has a wonderful evening and keep an eye out for those toxic plants. Thank you for hosting us. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you again.